mercy that goes beyond what our sin is. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, take them back to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth chapter number 4. I think next week will be our, our last look at the book of Ruth. But I want us to look today at Ruth chapter number 4 and verses 13 through 17. This is kind of the culmination of the story. And so our, a title of our message is rather aptly named. And they lived happily ever after. Ruth chapter 4, look at verse 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when, he, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Naomi took, and Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, and, and the women her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. And he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. And they lived happily ever after. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you that your mercy goes well beyond our sin. God, when I was steeped in sin in my early days and I called upon you, God, you forgave me of my sins, you forgave me of my iniquities, you cleansed my heart and life and forgave even the sins I would commit after that day. I have been redeemed and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that this morning. Father, we pray that you would be glorified that as we look at Boaz and Ruth and, and the, 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 the ending of their story, the, the final act of this story of redemption, may you give us only eyes for Jesus, our heavenly Boaz, the one that has redeemed us, God, I pray, that you would help us to see the Lord Jesus. Speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to fall more deeply in love and devoted to Jesus Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now let me say from the onset, first and foremost, that the events that took place in the book of Ruth historically, factually, and actually happened. All of this took place in time and history and space. This story, as well as the rest of your Bible, is no fairy tale. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, and little baby Obed were real people in this time and space. But one could not come up with a better title to conclude the love story, the redemption story of Ruth and Boaz than the one I've given it today. It comes from the, uh, the, the brothers Grimm, and there, you know, starts out, 
once upon a time, and usually it ends with that, and they lived happily ever after. You see, these verses before us today indicate that Boaz and Ruth got married, they had a baby, and well, we just no other way to put it. They lived happily ever after. You know, thinking along these lines, I, I, I reminds me of a little girl that was telling her mother the story of Snow White that she had just finished reading. And when she told, uh, when she got to the place where the prince kisses Snow White and awakens her from sleep, the little girl said, And mama, do you know what happened then? Well, the mother, knowing the end of the story, said, And they lived happily ever after. And the little girl said, No, no, they got married. <laughs> well, contrary to popular opinion, living happily ever after and being married are not mutually exclusive. There is happy endings to the story because that is exactly what the Scripture leads us to believe at the end of the book of Ruth. As promised, Boaz did marry Ruth and the two did live happily ever after. So what is so wonderful is that at the closing verses, they not only tell us the story of the rest of Boaz and Ruth's days, but it gives us special insight into the closing chapters of our happily ever after. You see, every redeemed child of God can gain heart-encouraging insight and into the present and future days of our existence by gleaning out of the relationship principles found in these verses before us this morning. There's a story of not only about Ruth and Boaz, there's a story about every child of God that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So I'm going I'm to look at that from three vantage points. Number one, I want you to see, first of all, the moment we linger in. The moment we linger in. Now for those among us that have come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, their present condition is that, uh, that of a spousal and betrothal to the Lord Jesus. Okay? Our condition... It's really not verses 13 through 17. It's really uh, those verses probably from around chapter 2 verse 1 until chapter 4 verse 12. It is the betrothal period. It is the period in which he has given his promise. And he has, he has, he has promised to be there for us. The Apostle Paul uh, likens this very same relationship to the Christian life. Look at what he said in 2 Corinthians eleven two. The Apostle Paul said, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Here, Paul looks at the Christian life and compares it to what we would call the engagement period or the espousal period. It is the time in which the bride-to-be is preparing herself, is making herself ready to be presented to the groom who will one day return for her. The indication is that our happily ever after with the Lord Jesus in a land that is fairer than day is as good as done. It's happening. It, it, there, 
Paul said in in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are already seated in the heavenlies. It's as sure as if we're already there, but we are in that not yet. It is and yet it is not yet. You see, we are awaiting upon our heavenly bridegroom's arrival to claim his bride. Now, I assure you, That there is a wedding day coming. But right now, we're in that waiting phase. We're waiting on the arrival of the bridegroom. First of all, I want you to see that we rely on his declaration. Go back with me to chapter number 3 and look at verse 13. Do you remember the scene for us how that Naomi instructed Ruth to get herself all dolled up? To go down to where the festivities were taking place at the harvest. They were at the threshing floor. They were winnowing out and and putting together the grain harvest. And then after everybody had, had basically eaten their field and fallen asleep or whatever. To come to Boaz and ask him to claim her as his bride. Because he is the kinsman redeemer. He's the one in line that could marry her. That could take possession of all that was Elimelech's who had died earlier. And so do you remember how the scene was? She came to Ruth in the darkness of the night. And then in verse number 13. Uh, she, she, well, she came in the darkness of night. He was surprised by her coming. And then he, she asked him to spread his skirt over her. Meaning to claim her as his own. As his right for the kinsman redeemer. But in verse 13, look at what he said. Boaz is speaking to Ruth. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he, this is a closer kinsman, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the part of a kinsman, but if he will not do the part of a kinsman unto thee, then then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee as the Lord liveth, Lie down until morning. Listen to what he said. He said, if this other guy doesn't claim it, and there's, there's, there's some, there's some uh, uh, other parts that I just don't have time to get into, but he said, if he doesn't claim you, know this, I will do it. If he won't do it, I will do it. I will come, I will claim my right as the kinsman redeemer, I will claim you as my bride, I will have you. Listen, you've got my promise she has his promise and from the time between this morning sunrise where she gets up and goes back to Naomi until the moment in our text where he marries her she is in that waiting period waiting for him to fulfill his promise you know it's so much like us as children of God in Jesus Christ we rest upon the promise of his return every day we we awaken To the anticipation that today could be the day. That Jesus is coming again. We rest in the promise of His deliverance, His return, His providential care. We rest upon the promise of His coming. Jesus told His disciples in John 14, 1-3, Let not your heart heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus is giving his promise, just like Boaz. I will do it. I will fulfill my oath, my covenant, my promise to you. Jesus is the same. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. Paul told Titus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Betrothed one, be assured that our heavenly Boaz is faithful and true. He keeps his promise. Jesus is coming again. And whether by the grave or whether by the rapture, we will see our beloved again. That's why John Wesley said, The Spirit in the heart of every true believer says with earnest desire the words of John, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Child of God, as you're in that betrothal period, in that waiting period, know you have His promise. Jesus is coming again. We rely on His declaration, but also we remain in our dedication. In our dedication. Look at verse 14. Just the, the first phrase. And she lay at His feet until morning. She lay at His feet until morning. While we wait for our marriage to Him, we are to stay steadfast at His feet. Steadfast in nearness to Him. You know, this scene makes my, takes my mind back to Luke chapter number 10. Do you remember the story of, of Mary and Martha? And how that Martha was cumbered about serving and all these things she was doing. And, and she comes to tell Jesus, hey, get Mary and to help me. Where was Mary? She was sitting at his feet where she heard his words. You see, while our heavenly bridegroom is gone to prepare a place for us, our part is that of the preparing bride. With our eyes set on the horizon, we make ourselves ready. We keep His Word. We, we make His love known. We are daily hoping in His glorious return. Our part in this waiting and betrothal period is to be faithful. Faithful that He will keep His promise. Be faithful in His absence. Look back with me at chapter 2 and verse number 8. I'm getting a little historical on you, but look at chapter 2 and verse number 8. Look, it said, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. His clear direction to her is don't go anywhere else. You can get everything you need right here in my field where I am. Oh, listen, our part is to be faithful in the Lord Jesus, to remain in His field, the field of His promise, the field of His handfuls of purpose, the field of His provision, the field of His direction, the field of His purpose. We're to remain here. We live in a world today where dedication and faithfulness is in short supply. 
Whether it's our companies that we work for, the covenants of marriage, or people's commitment to their churches. Faithfulness is a rare commodity. And it seems as though we have forgotten what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved, be ye steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our part, our part is to remain at His feet, to stay near Him, to occupy His fields where He is designated for us to stay. I wonder... If the Lord Jesus were to return today, would He find us in other fields? Seeking our provision elsewhere, outside of what He has given us. Are you faithful this morning? That's what what Ruth was to Boaz. She was faithful in that time between. in In that moment in which we linger. Are you faithful to the Lord Jesus? Stay in His field. Rely on His promise to keep His word the moment we linger in. But the marriage we long for. Second of all, the marriage we long for. Go back to chapter 4 and look at verse 14. Verse number 12, he had, or verse number, uh, verse number 11, he had paid the price. He had taken and claimed his inheritance that it was rightfully his in the person of Naomi. And thereby he would be, he would take uh, Ruth as his wife. And look at verse number 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. We know from our text that Boaz kept his word. He fulfilled it. Just as Jesus promises to claim us, just as sure as I know that I have the promise of a heavenly home, Jesus will keep His word. So did Boaz. And he claimed Ruth as his wife. What a story this has been. What a wedding that must have been for Boaz and Ruth together. You know, this this scene, this whole story of Ruth is really a a rags-to-riches story. You know, it's the stuff... Uh, it's the stuff that Hollywood could not come up with. Uh, this is the story of, of the pauper marrying the prince. It's the story of a servant marrying a sovereign, a beggar marrying a baron. What a glorious and gracious wedding this is between these two. Notice, first of all, we see a glorious marriage. What a marriage this must have been. He had loved Ruth. He had paid redemption's price for her. Going back to last week, he was the one that that humiliatedly took the shoe off to claim. He, he, He made it publicly known just as Jesus was publicly crucified for us, so Boaz was publicly named the redeemer of Ruth and Naomi's inheritance. He had retained the delight of his eyes, the desire of his heart, No doubt he loved her from the first moment he laid eyes upon her in that field. She would no longer be a worker in the sheaves, but a wife by his side. I tell you, this is nothing short of the glory of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. The Christ of heaven has set His affection on you before the foundations of the world. He knew you and loved you before you ever even heard His name. He paid redemption's price on Calvary's cross. He entreated you with, with His love, with His forgiveness, with His grace, with His mercy. He paid redemption's price in His blood on the cross. He was gloriously raised from the grave the third day forever sealing uh, God the Father's acceptance of redemption's price through faith in Him. I am forever His and He is mine. And notice in verse 13 it said so Boaz took 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 Ruth that, that word took there it means to carry away it means to fetch. You can almost see, you almost see Boaz going and picking her up and taking her for his own. May I remind you one of these days, our heavenly Boaz, the Lord Jesus will come and whisk his bride home for a wedding of universal proportions. Let me read a little bit of that wedding ceremony because John has so eloquently laid it out in the book of Revelation. Revelation 19, 1 through 9. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgment. For He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four uh, and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down worshiping God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah!" And a voice came out from the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants and ye that fear Him both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the voice of many waters and the voice of the mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah! for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said that these are the true sayings of God. What a glorious day. You know what's wonderful about that scene? Is that you're there and I'm there. That we're seated there in that marriage. Not, listen, this is not a covenant like a, a this is not the ascension of a president to rule over a people or a king to rule over subjects. No, this is a marriage. We have come into a special relationship with God our Father and that will be culminated in that great marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be with Him. He will be with us forever, forevermore. What a glorious day. It's a glorious marriage. But it's also a gracious marriage. A gracious marriage. Verse number 13. And He went in unto her and the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. One Midwest preacher received a thank you note from the bride, uh, he had just married the, the two together. He had performed a ceremony. And so they sent a short note back. And the, uh, the note read this way. Dear Reverend, I want to thank you for the beautiful way you brought my happiness to a conclusion. <laughs> you didn't catch it. <laughs> happiness 
to a conclusion. Well, I'm not sure that, that, that communicated exactly what she wanted to say. But well, when it comes to Ruth and her marriage to Boaz, her joy was not a conclusion. Her joy was just getting started. Because not too much longer, she was able to bear a son. You think about it. Look back at Ruth chapter number 2, verse number 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband. Listen to this. A mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Boaz was the most eligible bachelor in Bethlehem. And what was Ruth? Ruth was a nobody from the wrong side of the tracks, from a cursed people, a stranger among strangers to her. She was helpless and hopeless, but Boaz fell in love with her and claimed her as his own. Brothers and sisters, that is the grace of God. God's grace is shown there. I've been quoting Robert Hawker again and again to you. He's such an eloquent writer. Listen to what Robert Hawker had to say about this gracious union. He's talking to the Lord Jesus. He said, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Thou gavest us grace by thy Holy Spirit to seek thy fields and ordinances enabled us when we were to glean among the sheaves. Thou commandest thy servants, the ministers of the bread of life, to let, fall, to let fall handfuls for our souls together. Thou spreadest thy skirt over us and marriest us to thyself, and we have become thine. Oh, for grace to abide by thee, never, never to seek another field to glean in, nor by creature confidence to forget our entire dependence upon thee. Be thou all in all to our souls. For in thee all fullness dwells. And all the Father's love and the Spirit's grace come to our souls in and through thee. Oh, what a gracious marriage. All that we know of joys and strength and happiness comes through our union. Our unbelievable our un, unfathomable relationship with a heavenly Boaz. Unthinkable that he would love us. Unthinkable that he would come and claim us. The moment we linger in. The marriage we long for. Also, the master we look to. You know, I, I don't see how someone in light of the New Testament cannot read the book of Ruth and see Boaz as our heavenly, or, or, or see Boaz as the type and shadow of the Lord Jesus. You know, in the majority of weddings today, the bride gets all the attention. You know, you ever gone to a wedding? You you know that the bride always comes in last. The uh, the groom comes in smacking bubble gum. Nobody blinks an eye. Nobody cares what he's wearing. He's wearing his penguin suit. You know, up there and. He's smacking bubble gum. Nobody cares what he looks like. But I tell you what, when the bride opens that door and they start that organ, dun, 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 you know, and the organ starts, everybody stands up, everybody looks. Oh, how beautiful the veil, how long is the train, how glorious is the dress. She is the focus of attention. But in the biblical weddings, 
with the way they are done, how that, you know, the groom, he leaves to go prepare a place. You look at Hebrew, or look at uh, Hebrew weddings of the time, how that there is a betrothal worked out, an engagement, how that the groom goes and leaves the bride for nine months to a year to prepare a home, to prepare a place for them to dwell. And then at some unexpected moment, he will come back and will commence the marriage then and carry her off. All eyes in that situation are for the bridegroom because he comes unexpectedly. All of a sudden, he rides in town and the shout goes out, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom is here. And all eyes are fixed on him. Christ is the focus in the household of God. And because of the redemption price he paid, our covenant with him is possible. He is the pursuit of our days. He is the delight of our eyes. He is the love of our hearts. Notice, I like what Charles Wesley said it best in, 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 in the poem he wrote uh, in the, uh, for, uh, the first anniversary of his conversion. Jesus, the name that claims our, uh, charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. He is our redeeming Lord. Notice also, not only our redeeming Lord, but He's our restored life. Our restored life. Look, look at what redeeming Lord is. Verse 14. He, they were telling Naomi, you got, a, you got a kinsman redeemer that's been supplied to you. But look at verse 15. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better than to thee than seven sons hath borne him. He is the restorer of life. And Naomi, look at this, and Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. What, note what they said to Naomi. That the Lord has become a restorer of life, a nourisher of her old age. Everything that she lost in the death of Elimelech was regained in Boaz. Naomi thought, you know, I can imagine. Rewind. Rewind this scene. Go back to me with me to Moab. Moab in a land that she really should not have been in. A place outside, away from God. Now, her husband dies. Both of her sons die. I mean, she was a basket case. And, and when she decides to try, to try to eke out some kind of semblance of life and go back to Bethlehem, she tells Orpha and Ruth, don't go with me. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for you. There's, no, there's nothing more I can do for you. You need to just stay right here. Don't follow me. Everywhere, everywhere I go, bad things happen, you know. She comes back to Bethlehem. Remember what she told everybody? Oh, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, sad, sorrow. Naomi thought her life was over. That she was consigned to endless days of sorrow. 
And because of Boaz though, her earthly life will be strengthened. Listen to that. She had consigned herself to a life of misery and sorrow. And by the end of the book, everything was turned upside down. Everything was made right. When she was in Moab, remember what she said? She said, are there any sons in me that I could give you a husband? It just won't work. It's impossible for me to help you. It's over with. My life is done. And now, through the guiding hand of God, through the providences of God, look at where she is in verse 16. (laughs) She's holding a grandson. It was impossible in her eyes. Oh, never forget that God is the God of the impossible. That He takes our lives and turns them around according to His will and purposes. Everything that a sinner lost in the sin and death of Adam is regained in Jesus Christ. Fellowship with God. Pleasure of God. The hope in God. All these are regained in Christ Jesus. The wonderful thing about Christianity is that the strength of a believer is not found in the vitality of youth. It's not found in monetary wealth. Usually with age, these things deteriorate. But with God, we become stronger in life. As the days go on and as we walk with God, we become stronger with Him. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, 4, 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I remember Gethsemane Baptist or Bethany Baptist Church where I pastored. There was a little frail grandmother, Mrs. Brown. Mrs. Brown sat to my left Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. She was always there. Uh, my deacon uh, brought her. and say Every church service, rarely did she ever miss. Rarely said anything. That woman is... He was, she was so frail that if you sneezed around her, you'd worry that you knocked her over. I'm going to tell you, she was a woman of faith and of prayer. And if her, if her outside looked like her spiritual inside, she'd look like some of those Tennessee linebackers. She'd be that big. I mean, gigantic because she was stronger on the inside than she was on the outside. Listen. God is the strength and the designer of our days. He is the hope of our lives, not the fickle winds of circumstance that we so often chalk the events of our life to. But He is the the restorer. He is the guiding hand. He's the one that leads and directs our lives. I like Joel 2.25. God says, and I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palm worm, my great army which I sent among you. Do you hear what he said? These plagues that I have put in your life, this cankerworm, this locust that I have kind of sent to devour your days and cause you to look to me, now I will take them away and I will be a restorer of those days that they have eaten. 
Oh, He is the restorer of life. He's the redeeming Lord. He's also our, also we see our responsive lips. Look at verse 17. And the women, her neighbors, gave it, talking about the baby, gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. It wasn't long after this wedding between Ruth and Boaz that the little pitter-patter of little feet was heard in the house of Boaz. That baby got an unusual name hung on him. The word Obed actually means worship, praise. The name means worship. So, you know, the way they would name, one commentator talks about how that People would name things in the Bible. This is what he said. The names in Scripture are, are for the most part significant. It was a custom among God's people for parents to name their children after some remarkable providence. But perhaps with this intent that every time they looked upon the child or heard him name, they might have their memory refreshed in the recollection of that special mercy. Thus, Hannah's Samuel was called. Samuel means prayer. Thus Hannah's Samuel was so called because it was an answer to prayer. Samuel means God has answered my prayer. So it is with Obed. What it, again, Obed means praise. Why, why would they give that baby that name? Because every time they came into the house and that baby was around, Ruth and Naomi were worshiping God, were praising God. Why? They came there with nothing. They came there with no hope. And now God through His providences, through His turns and changes and, and, and these unique cross sections in life, God has brought them to an end they could have never fathomed. When they come dragging into Jerusalem, hopeless and broken, they had no idea that just a few chapters later, They'd be bouncing a baby boy and Ruth would be naming the most eligible bachelor in Bethlehem, her husband. They had no idea. You see, the grace of God, the glory of our union in Christ ought to do something to our lips. Just as it did for Ruth and Naomi, so it should do to us. It should cause us to worship our Heavenly Father. To worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Worshiping is a result of our love for our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus. Don't tell me you love the Lord if you never clear off a spot and worship Him. And give Him praise. And glorify Him and recount all the days and all the twists and turns of life in which He has been at every corner. May we sing with Ruth the song that may well have been on her lips had it been written. I bless the hand that guided. I bless the heart that planned. Now enthroned where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. I bless the hand that guides. I bless the hand that planned. God knows what He's doing. God knows what He's doing in the life of Ruth and Naomi. He does the same in our life. You know, if it were a fairy tale, 
we could have opened this story up with once upon a time and closed it by and they lived happily ever after. But again, the story of Ruth and Boaz is no fairy tale. And the story of Ruth and Boaz is the story of every child of God and Jesus. Yours and mine. All the richness that we find in the story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, all the richness there in its gospel shadows and what it shows us of redemption, what it shows us of grace, it's our story. It's for us to glean from, to acknowledge that we have this in Christ Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and have never met this, this Redeemer in the Lord Jesus, I beg you to come. Know Jesus today. Put your faith and trust in Him. But if you know Him, don't refrain your lips from praising Him. Recognize Him as the restorer of the... Call Him Lord. Jesus asked His disciples, Why call ye me Lord and do not the things that I say? Haunting words from our Redeemer, our Savior. Let us indeed acknowledge Him as our Lord. Worship Him today. Think back over the... Re recollect all the days of the past. and How God has kept His Word. And how God, He will keep His Word in the coming of the Lord Jesus to claim His own. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly, Father, we love you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the promise. The promise that he has given us, that he has gone to prepare a place and will claim us as his own. God, help us to be faithful to that. In this waiting period that we find ourselves in, that we linger in, God, help us to be faithful to you. God, remind us of the promise of the Lord Jesus. Remind us of that ultimate wedding one day we'll be reunited with Him forever and ever in a land that is fairer than day. Oh God, give us eyes for heaven. God, help us to be faithful to Him, loyal to Him. God, help us to recognize Your hand in every step of our lives. God, let us see Your grace and mercy. Let us, let us acknowledge You as Lord of our lives. God, let us worship You the way we should. Let your name be familiar in our lips, not just on Sunday or the Lord's Day, but God, every day we worship you. We seek your face. We sit at your feet. Let us seek your presence every day. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.